This is Swampside Chats, a podcast where communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This episode, we embark on another close reading series. This series, we're tackling the critique of the Gotha program with a new guest, Constance. Before we get to the critique proper, we tackle the program itself and Marx's letter to Brock in Brunswick from May 5th, 1875. Live and alive, uh, we're back doing a close reading. Putting the text up in our face, and who better? Who better to read the text with than someone who just posts big text walls? And they're always worth reading. Just oh, like just so many text walls. I've probably read more on your Twitter account than I have in books recently. So <laughs> I want to I want to thank you That's... for keeping my keeping my uh, literacy alive. Uh, thanks for coming yeah. on, Constance. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you deserve a little applause. Like, there's a, there's a sense in which like Swampside Chat uh, was like one of my ways into Marxism or whatever, whatever I am now. I mean, I'm so can, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah wow. Uh, I'm so thank sorry. you, and I'm, I, and I'm, I'm no sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this this whole this whole like series is going to be the uh, uh, apologies for making me like I am today. Actually, you will fix us because you have gone deep dived into this material, into a lot of the historical questions of, you know, who wrote what, who meant what, who saw what. And I think that's going to be invaluable to this conversation. So thank you once again for joining us. So with this approach, I think we could we could talk a little bit uh, intro into the Gotha program, like why it is. Should we talk a little bit about this new edition that got published and, you know, why people are mad or not mad about it or should we just go straight to the text and we'll hit that at various points straight to the text uh, the okay. whole like who does versus lee thing is uh interesting but, but yeah quite transient and yeah nobody will actually care about the details of that until until they know what's actually in the critique all right so uh do you want to lead the way esri oh i'm with it this is my first close reading um, where I'm, I get to take the mic all of myself and um, drag you through the smooth sounds of my well-manicured voice. So we're going to start off just with the program of the Socialist Workers' Party of Germany, the Gotha program. The draft, drafted. the draft of yeah. it, the draft that Marx right, was right. reacting to. It is not the actual, like, you know, fully, you know, finished, slightly revised version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the 1875 Gotha Congress. Yeah, um, it, so that, that was like the Unity Congress that apparently was uh, made without Marx and Engels knowing about it first, and then they found out. And then they read the party program, and then, you know, th- that this, this was a, the result. Yeah, they, pan- yeah. they panicked a little bit. Yeah, it was the result of uh, also Brack, the one, one of Marx's friends, uh, asking for um, for a critique, and Marx kind of like dragged his feet because I think at the time he was like doing the proofs for like the French version of Capital, and mm. from what I've 
from what I know of like that of that, Marx was like doing like kind of like major rewrites of like the translation he was getting in French, mm. which is interesting, kind of interesting bookend because the start of his life, you know, his first uh, his, his first like you know his first book that he publishes, a critique of Proudhon. And then in French, actually, you know, he he meets Proudhon on his uh, home turf, and then by the end of his life, he's um, he's going back uh, to to French and just making uh, this um, the French edition that he has serialized for workers specifically, and he also uh, attaches um, a French edition of Capital with the the. With the the critique, if I remember correctly. Oh, interesting. I thought um, this was sort of like suppressed in Germany, at least, right? Like oh, the the critique. No, was no, no. Well, in the in the package oh. that he sends, like to his friend, that you know, with the oh, you know, with, with the critique. I don't know how many like um, copies of the critique he actually made, but Marx like asked specifically to just have it circulate to like four or five people. I think was Be- Bebel, Liebnick was Brackman to other people, I think, but he didn't want them to like keep keep it. They wanted that he wanted the the, um, the critique like returned to him. So he wanted to mm. just be diplomatic because the, he, I guess he didn't right. want to just well the interesting context of this is that you know Marx was kind of like getting pretty popular. So he had to like be very uh diplomatic in many respects, you know. So he had to take some precautions, I think. To not stir shit, which well, yeah, is and, an, an interesting, you know, position for a known polemicist to be in. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think he was still kind of. It was a bit behind the ball in terms of like uh, being this sort of like hegemonic position within the, the German workers' movement, even really any workers' movement in Western Europe. Like, capital was still a text that was kind of like. It was my understanding at this point that it was not widely read and very little understood. Oh, it was it was main, mainly through uh, the fall. So, in in a way, in a very interesting way, um, and I, Marx and Engels actually um, acknowledged this, especially like Engels, where he notices that like the Iron Law of Wages is partly based on um, on one of the things that he contributed to like Marx's early development, and then Lasalle, you know, t- took that, right. took some of those formulations. So in a, in a way, yeah, it was mostly uh, through like French socialist public, you know, texts, and then and then Lasalle's understanding of Marx or like deliberate, you know, kind of bungling where he would like mix like he would like haphazardly mix like manifesto stuff and then Ricardo and then so oh, that's where I got that from five years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> so like yeah and. I pointed this out, but you know, and um, in like eighteen seventy, the eighteen sixties, actually, like Liebknecht, who apparently uh, I'm not exactly sure, but Liebknecht, Liebknecht um, apparently like drafted like you know most of the unity uh, unity program that we're about to read, and he asked uh, you know Engels like differentiate you know what's the difference between Marx and Lasalle. And apparently, a couple of years later, he still hadn't understood. Or, <laughs> yeah. And for, from what I know, he probably didn't really understand. Never really understood the difference exactly. But you know, to be charitable, maybe he was like being, you know, maybe he was like doing politics and just 
gave a lot of concessions to Lasallians. Right. People have argued, yeah, that it was basically designed to sort of get them in the tent, and then gradually over time, like the Lasallian conceptions would sort of wither away. Yeah, much like the the big Lasallian state that would eventually wither away, because this was one in a series of mergers between lasallian groups and what was kind of judged to be you know marxish social democrats even you know despite and i I don't like i understand that this isn't even like the first one where that happened there was an earlier one um where a smaller group of like lasallians broke off and but this was this was like one of the big ones. People um, started out in the Lasallian group before becoming an Eisenacher, or just because the how it started out is that it was um, in 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 Germany. It's it sort of like it started out in like workers like um, organizations, but more, more like educational ones that were sponsored by by the by liberals. But then because the workers would like have like you know political discussions it 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 got like liberals you know agitated to be like hey, you shouldn't be doing this this is dangerous and uh some of the positions of the more like uh conciliatory or just you know strictly in the sort of hegelian tradition of like education um they they kind of like remained within you know to not stirred a boat i guess it it just didn't want to um, to let workers have a political um, political discussions or you know organize as workers basically it was meant to those those kind of like educational like workers club were meant to be like appendage to like the liberals but then g- gradually it wasn't so exactly that that's some of the origins of uh German labor. I think we have the context. We can transport ourselves back to Gotha, May 1875. Labor is the source of all wealth and culture. And since useful labor is possible only in society and through society, the proceeds of labor belong undiminished with equal right to all members of society. In present day society, the instruments of labor are the monopoly of the capitalist class. The corresponding subjection of the working class is the cause of all forms of misery and servitude. The emancipation of labor demands the elevation of the instruments of labor into the common stock of society, and the cooperative regulation of the total labor with fair distribution of the same. The emancipation of labor must be the work of the working class, in relation to which all other classes are only one reactionary mass. So already, uh, we we see here, you know, the telltale um, Lasallian slogans, especially in the, and um, you know, this principle like focus on the workers and the workerism, because for for us all, like the peasantry uh, was not, you know, to be exactly considered. The workers were the main revolutionary subject and in this understanding it it had to be like exclusive there was no like agreement to be made it's so strange like and i can't believe how early it is that this kind of comes up because you know there's a lot of problems with historical materialism and all that 
one of the things that I liked about it the most is it was the story of all these different working classes across history. And it made me think that communism must be this project that would sort of avenge them all. And therefore, even if, you know, the exact interest structure of, you know, peasant workers wasn't, you know, their interest profiles aren't the exact same, they would, you know, still have some kind of common cause in being liberated because they're, you know, they're on the uh, shit side of that exploitation sandwich. And that's where my Marxist ethical compass went, my communist ethical compass went. And, you know, I always thought that this was some kind of misreading. I don't understand how people get here. I mean, just in pure numbers, like considering that like the working class and like other all other classes are like one reactionary mass. If you look at Germany at the time, like just means you like it's just not going to work out. Well, it also it also presumes like alliances and common causes aren't like intrinsic, right? Like the like the peasants don't have to be aligned with like the bourgeoisie or you know or like the feudal lords or whatever you know like there's antagonistic interests there that could be exploited and could be utilized. Uh, I, I yeah like the problem with the peasantry is more just that you know like historically they didn't have the same opportunity to you know like overcome uh, the antagonism that they were stuck within and you know also in some ways the proletariat is more progressive. If only because it's more like cosmopolitan and because it is, you know, the conditions of its servitude are also the preconditions for its freedom. Like I, but to lump them all within a, as like one, one lump all other classes as like a reactionary mass kind of boxes you in, uh, kind of boxes you in strategically. And, it, and literally like no, 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 even like a sensibly successful like socialist revolution in the 20th century was just like purely working class. Like it's just, that's just never how it's worked. You know, when you're taking the historical context into account, there's also a very anti-democratic angle to it's us versus the world, baby. <laughs> you know, there's like, I don't know, a few thousand, few thousand real heads in the city and everyone else is our enemy. Like, Unless you just are assuming that like the process of proletarianization will, cre- will become the majority of society somehow. Yeah, which right, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll see how that we- pans out. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The working class strives for its emancipation, first of all, within the framework of the present-day national states, conscious that the necessary result of its efforts, which are common to the workers of all civilized countries, will be the international brotherhood of peoples. I mean, and that was an early Marxian sentiment. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's... there's maybe drop the civilized point. parts, but sorry. Sorry. Yeah, especially yeah. Let, let's let's say that uh, let's all had the interesting uh, interesting ideas about civilization and uh, culture that he got uh, from Fichte. Well, he's, <laughs> he, he's on he's on that like super haploid science from Disco Elysium. That 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 big muscle guy. He's yeah, into yeah. right. I am yeah. the binac of my But also, it's um, interesting that you mentioned that like there's. With the Saul, the interesting thing is that there is, there is a ring of like the, uh, sort of like, almost like vulgar early Marx, but that's mm-hmm. that makes sense once you understand that they they were constantly in relation and he cribbed a lot of like you know, his um, phraseology or some of his propagandistic uh, ideas from him without really like you know being uh, 
like saying the the provenance of his uh mm-hmm. of of his new of his quote unquote new science and this this is something that comes up a lot in like Marx and Engels like you know letters where they're like oh my god he's like copying us he's just like he's 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 they talk about it like smuggling like illicit goods or something yeah especially um his uh infamous uh you know Arbiters program that it Marx does remark that it's basically just like a bungled manifesto and a couple of like phrases they he got from 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 us Marx and Engels yeah I mean it's important to remember too like just how how what a major figure like LaSalle was like in the German workers movement like I feel like the closest contemporary analog would be like you know maybe like Bernie Sanders relationship to like the nascent like socialist like left in the United States right now the last like five years previous like five or years or whatever you know he's somebody who's like almost beyond question that's kind of it's 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 sort of counterproductive there's a whole like LaSalle cult especially after his death uh and like you would just mm-hmm. well yeah and shortly beforehand like he it was sort of like the one of the earliest forms of socialist organization like political organization specifically like outside of the utopians was this fucking cult that LaSalle sets up. I mean, he sets it up at like mm-hmm. after his death, like he, um, his um, confidant uh, Schweitzer. No, no, not 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 Schweitzer, but the Comptes. Oh God, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, okay. Um, wait, let, let, let me. The the the, the lady he gave, he um, stood up for um, during like a a long like trial that he fought, he won and he got like a lot of notoriety out, out of it that lady uh wanted to like you know start like prancing around his corpse and like embalming him and just you know doing it like what when i when i read doing about that stuff I, yeah i when i read that i was like oh no and then like you, you just have to like you just have to wonder you know mm. when i found that that like it apparently was like stalin's idea uh, or like maybe it would have been one of the first like suggests to like embalm Lenin, and then oh, you know man. that like he's like a bit was a big Lasalle head, and it's like oh god, please don't tell me that's where he got that idea from. I won't yeah. be I I wouldn't be able to like I can't fucking prove that, but sometimes I scare myself. <laughs> yeah, like, well, stuff like that makes me understand why there is this impulse to sort of read like the concessions to lasallianism in the gotha program as a kind of like original sin like the modern like like the classical like uh socialist movement i also feel like that's too easy of an answer yeah it's too it's too easy and also uh yeah there in a way um the critique of the gotha program you know by focusing on the lasallians doesn't like it's kind of it's a bit of a misdirection because it doesn't show that like the Eisenachers weren't that much different in certain respects. Well, yeah. And even like the trashing of LaSalle isn't the most like interesting things in it uh, to me at this point. Um, even though that like the question of like how uh, this, this latest publication, the question of like how Marx and Engels felt about the SP day has been the primary thing, but I don't even think that's like what's like the most interesting or most relevant uh, for revisiting this piece now at this point anyway yeah it's uh it's um it's it's more has to do well we'll see you later on because there's a couple of like you know unintuitive like marx takes that you know 
the baby socialists, if you were to like throw it in their face, it'd be like, wait, what the fuck is this? Wait, child labor? What? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Just go watch a Miyazaki movie, okay? Like, child labor is actually cool. <laughs> oh god. Two, starting from these basic principles, the German Workers' Party strives by all legal means for the free state and a socialist society. The abolition of the wage system, together with the iron law of wages and exploitation in every form. The elimination of all social and political inequality. 3. The German Workers' Party, in order to pave the way for the solution of the social question, demands the establishment of producers' cooperative societies with state aid under the democratic control of the working people. The producers' cooperative societies are to be called into being for industry and agriculture on such a scale that the socialist organization of the total labor will arise from them. I'll run that section um, through an AI voice changer so you sound like Richard Wolf. Worker co-op enterprises. Yeah, well, you can really tell that like this is, it's, it's always like fascinating to just see like, um, just your average DSA guy just say like say the the LaSalle line of like labor is the source of, of all wealth and then when they get like ratio to like like poked by Marxists they're like cope cope Marxoid uh I don't care it's uh it's good propaganda dude yeah and, and, and it's like <laughs> we'll see later on why that like why Marx like uh, makes um such a big deal out of like out of that Actually, you know, in a way, it, it relates to ecology, interestingly enough. Yeah. Which, to you know, when I see that, and I, I, and I also see, like, I don't know, someone like Leigh Phillips, who just, you know, has an aneurysm anytime, like, someone suggested, like, you know, Walmart actually isn't socialist. <laughs> I, I, it's... It's so fascinating to me because that whole thing about like Walmart being socialist and like seeing socialism and like th in, in, in that it's just it's basically the sort of like neo Lasallian um, Espede guys from like back uh, what in 1914 when the war broke out where they were like seeing oh a war economy wow that's socialism it's basically socialism and then. And it is literally that. Yeah, it's, and... it's the return of the whole cartel. It's the whole, it's the whole cartel thing, right? Oh yeah, and want to talk about you know the general cartel and the organized capitalism today? I read like a quote about you know two people who were being deported like from the USSR to Nazi Germany, and like one of them was a Stalinist who turned into like an NSDAP stand, and he was like, "Well, if you think about it, organized capitalism, like the national socialism, is gonna is gonna bring about like organized capitalism. So, is, isn't it like kind of historically progressive?" It's like you know, Bukharin talked about organized capitalism. You know, it's it's sometimes like you can't make that shit up. It's so like. I will say with regard to like the People's Republic of Walmart thing, like abstracting it from a teleology, looking at existing organizations to try to, you know, understand how you could sort of manage scale and manage complexity without the mediation 
of like value or, or market dynamics. You know, you could pull from. I think that there is value to pulling from from some strange, uh, from some from like you know some strange examples of something like Walmart. Like I don't think that exercise is completely without merit. Uh, it just it's a, you just have to basically uh, contextualize that very carefully so, so as not to be uh, for not to be mis- misunderstood. Yeah, but also yeah. yeah, even when they sometimes like contextualize it, they'll immediately go to like soy facing about like oh my god they have like such such a mastery of like statistics they have like really good like management of prices and all that and i just kind of want to tell them like do you understand this like a system of like prices and and money is not gonna help you for what you want to do and and like so the the practicality of like what you could get out of like studying Walmart is more in like the daily sort of operations. Not doesn't have much to do with like the actual price signals. Watching some like an an operative, you might say, like Lee Phillips uh, operate. Um, you know, because you know, I was initially quite enthusiastic about People's Republic of Walmart because it you know demonstrated the sort you know the Hilferding general cartel thesis of socialism. And because all the workers' movements got destroyed, um, you know, we were kind of grasping at straws back then. And you could kind of point to that as being this weird, you know, corporate, like, uh, thing that exists right now that might pan out. And if you contextualize it the right way, it, it wouldn't sound so bad. But over the years, I was, you know, Facebook friends at Leaf Phillips. This is before... No, yeah, I was Facebook friends for, with him for years, years and years. And, like, it is even before, like, I joined Twitter or anything. I saw his takes get, you know, more and more kind of, you know, any ecology is Malthusian. Like, I don't know if he's a LaRoucheite, but kind of walk in the same walk. Oh, yeah, I've had people just, like, say, oh, he's a LaRoucheite because he kind of, like, says, like, he kind of does the same shit. And... I kind of have to agree with them because like the, you know, any kind of ecology is Maltunianism is also a Caleb Maupin bit. Mm-hmm. And also like, a, I think it's also a Haas bit now. It's just like, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, I kind of wonder in the same way that we are wondering about whether it was each of these party Congresses that were, a, you know, a step into hell for Marxism each way, or if it was just sort of like convergent evolution uh, of some kind like is Lee Phillips on the take from you know the LaRoucheites or are the incentive structures just so <laughs> that they they each work themselves to the same place I mean both both of them are like really really into like nuclear power they think that like it's going to solve everything so they're like big like well nuclear power I feel like gets a bad rap but we can talk about that later <laughs> um well, I, yeah, like kind of just going back to the overall Lasallian thing and where does this come from? And this third plank of like, yo, maybe the state that's about to outlaw our party will help us. You know, this is like three years before the anti-socialist laws kick in. And, you know, arguably one of the reasons Marx suppresses critique is that he didn't want to, he could apparently read the room a little better than they could. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of them, you know, his uh, comrades who he kind of, you know, was probably kind of, kind of angry with, 
they still did go to prison so he wasn't gonna ba- like go poo poo them right. and, like the, the the press it's also it's also kind of the same reason that uh he kind of held back on the stuff he knew that that was like fishy about lasalle's uh, relation to bismarck and from what from my understanding um lasalle was like a figure in german public life for a while and he only really became associated with the cause of labor for nine months before his death in a duel yeah he got basically he got shot in the groin after trying to like you know get uh get the girl he, I, in he, the he, groin he, yeah apparently it wasn't the groin i i, I knew he was like shot but apparently like yeah he got he got the he, he got the cock he got cock shot special apparently <laughs> oh that's so funny i was gonna say he got bottom surgery so that's that's Ooh. oh anyway spicy 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 all right so yeah uh, uh, there, I, I think there's wait there's something else i wanted to say so you know when they say like pave the way to the solution of the social question it's so interesting because it it um it it, it kind of shows that uh, the whole frame of um the sort of uh eisenacher lasallian unity like mindset was still firmly in like you know french revolutionary terms of like the political you know revolution and equality the and you know when they say paved a way to solution of the you know solution the social question for marx like it wasn't like there wasn't like a neat separation between the two mm. which is it's pretty funny because i'm fairly sure that like one of the quotes where marx kind of says this later gets like used by uh an italian uh funny man um in around like the general the you know the big uh strike wave in italy before nine before 1914 where he would just say like every political revolution is a social revolution and he would use that to agitate <laughs> The Italian man is Mussolini, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh. Fun fact: When the um, uh, co-founder of the Communist Party of Italy, uh, Nicola Bombazzi, uh, was going to jail, uh, Mussolini recommended to him uh, the the you know the selected works of Marx, Engels, and Lasalle because in Italy the huh. three were just usually bundled together. And all, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Mussolini also wrote an article on Lasalle and was like, hmm, this, this guy's interesting. <laughs> Constance, those things can't be important. We don't have to remember that. Like, when is that ever going to come up? Like, come on. Yeah, come I, on. yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, I just know this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it can't. It's not even the help. worst stuff I could pull out. <laughs> oh, yeah. How long have we got? Let's, let's see if we can read the rest of the, the, demands here we need the free state constance um oh god yeah let's let's come on let's have a free state the german workers party demands as the free basis of the state one universal equal and direct suffrage with a secret ballot for all men from 21 years old for all state and local elections yep that's not even universal suffrage. Anyway, <clears throat> two, direct legislation by the people and its right to propose and oppose legislation. Three, universal military service, a people's army 
in the place of the standing army. Questions of war and peace to be, to be decided by Parliament. 4. Abolition of all laws of, a, of exception, especially regarding the press, association, and assembly. 5. Administration of justice by the people. Justice free of charge. The German Workers' Party demands as the intellectual and ethical basis of the state. 1. Universal and equal elementary education of the people by the state. Universal, universal compulsory school attendance. Free instruction. 2. Freedom of science. Freedom of conscience. Sounds good. Well, now that we've taken care of the political revolution, let us move on to the completely discreet social revolution. The German Workers' Party demands as the economic foundation of the state a single progressive income tax for the state and municipalities in place of all existing taxes, especially indirect ones. The German Workers' Party demands for the protection of the working class against the power of capital within present-day society. 1. Right of combination. 2. A normal working day and prohibition of Sunday work. 3. Restriction of female labor and prohibition of child labor. 4. State supervision of factories, workshops, and home industries. 5. Regulation of prison labor. 6. An effective liability law. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty standard, like, Republican demands, right, in that period? Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, restriction of female labor and child labor. Um, those would go hand in hand in a lot of workers' movement demands. You know, the earliest form of workers' movement had some kind of hope for a family wage of some kind. And yeah, although we would need to point out that like restriction of like uh, women, women in the mm -hmm. workforce uh, was um, it was like raised as the by the prudonis in the international where like, you know, they, of course, could not help themselves to just kind of like go on the usual, you know, sort of chauvinistic, you know, screed. Well, they're French, so how could they? Yeah, I, I mean, Proudhon has like a book where he does phrenology to own the feminists. So like, <laughs> that's he, logic he, for the left for you. Yeah, the, de la pornocratie, apparently he calls it. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, it's uh, it, it's intense. That that guy is a uh, in interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, none of these things are like foundations for like a new system. It's all kind of just like. For the most part, you know, except for a few things, mitigations of, you know, the problems of like the capitalist system, right? Making children work, you know, making you work seven days a week, blah, 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 blah. Like just pro prohibiting that stuff isn't like the foundation for anything new. It's just like harm reduction, arguably, you know. Yes. I mean, who could have a problem with that, right? Also, there's uh, interesting the, the bit about the Sunday, because I'm fairly sure like Marx has a bit in like the Holy Family where he kind of like discusses, um, you, you know, the um, sort of, well, it ties back to like uh, his, uh, his on the Jewish question text where he's kind of lambasting Bauer. And he like does take it, I think he does take issue with 
you know, how secularism just like kind of like sneaks Christianity by the back yeah. door in, in these ways where like, oh, well, so, so Sunday, yeah, we can dress, but like, okay, so what for other people who's, you know, right. that's not their holy day? What about Shabbat? Come on. Yeah. What, what about Shabbat? So, so, also, there's, wait, let me, let me look at this again. Yeah, so it's also interesting when, you, you know, when they, you know, demands as an intellectual and ethical basis of the state, that's like, that. that's like Losalian Hegelianism that like springs out because there's this whole educational like vocation in, in as the basis of the state that comes out. So it's interesting that like Marx later on as, you know, wants to like, be like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 we, I, which is actually why he sort of like seems to take an almost uh, sort of uh, libertarian position where he's like, yeah, no, no, the schools, nah, I, the state shouldn't be in that. It's only to just, you know, certify the, that, you know, teachers have some qualifications for what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, the 20th century really changed a lot of people's expectations for these sorts of things. And like, it's almost hard to like believe that Marx is so different than what actually came to pass. I don't know. I was, I was reading something about um, the way that some, I was reading something about boarding schools and their, you know, continuity with schools in general and just the weird way that, um, you know, quote, civilized cultures kind of shovel a bunch of children into like, a, they kind of, you know, round them up and, and, make them learn in a room instead of just sort of like teaching them as they, as things come, which is how things work in just about every other society. And not that all of them, not that all child labor is like super cool, but, um, there's something, yeah, weird about making this the standard for emancipated society. And as bad as I feel for people that went through, you know, that were in high school during COVID, like when I was seeing that system break down, it was so hard for me not to project my own experience from back then onto it and be like, how would I feel if this was happening? You know, well, or, or, or not going to like, you know, it all just going online. Like I fucking, I fucking hated school and I would have been happy to nope out of it like that. And to just be able to get all the credentials without, being shoveled into that fucking place like i don't know like uh, i think i think people had wildly different experiences you know yeah. it also depended on you know what kind of access you actually had to the internet right yeah you know, no that's real th- no, you know, that's things not... like that yeah because that's the other thing is that schools are like this place where people eat and have resources where they might not have at home and that's like that's you know that's the resource that children have so if they can't go to that resource that's fucked up like, yes, yeah, schools do, especially in America, they do provide, you know, a lot of the meals that, like, children will get. Right, yeah, just basic, like, basic child care, essentially. Um, no, but I think, I, I mean, on some level, there is something to be said for creating a sort of separate space. Because if you're teaching people, you know, like, abstract, like, foundational concepts, you know, that's it's, not everything is, like, on-the-job training. But I do agree that creating like these creating these spaces that are separate from society as a whole for learning instead of having that be sort of integrated into these sort of holistic life of 
of the world is like a major problem. Like that's how you get college brain. That's how you get college brain. It's also how you get learning is for children. Yes. Oh, that's like, yeah, that's, uh, when you grow up, you don't have to learn anymore. That that's the best part. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. uh, It's such a scary thought because I feel that I've only now like at like 29, almost going to be 30 in November. Like, I feel like, God, I wish I could have, you know, be studying, you know, mm-hmm. stuff right now, but I know I got to work. And then if I were to go back to school, it'd be to just, you know, get credentials or like a diploma for something that would get me money. Like all, you know, my, the actual like intellectual stuff I'd like to, like to do, I have to do on my own because it's not going to be a school that provides, because it's not profitable. It's just, or like, if you really want to do that, then you gotta have like, like it would basically kill like all, you know, my drive to study this stuff because I'd be forced to, you know, crank out, you know, papers about stuff I don't even want to talk about that I kind of like, kind of, you know. Well, and we're still kind of we're still kind of trapped in this position where defending like education or even defending the idea of like free college is basically reinforcing a system that really does not like make any sense at any level. But given the contemporary given the configuration of where things are like politically economically, we know that if you lose that stuff, whatever it gets replaced with is going to be worse. Yeah. Which and one of the things that, you know, that this we're going to talk about it this later the infamous, you know, the child labor uh, objection by Marx um <sighs> How to put this? The way he, um, you know, he kind of insists, you know, on technical schools, and you know, c- kind of, he 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 wants to like facilitate the ability for like people to like get you know the s- skills, you know, practical skills that, you know, they'll be able to like, f- to, um, how how to put this, like. <sighs> Like, to, to like be able to like have like a, a sort of revolution he has in mind like it there there has to be a broadening of uh of of interests and knowledge and capabilities and you know breaking down of um just socketing in people to like a specific thing they're gonna do for years before they switch well, you, you want to – well, you want to create subjects who are basically capable of, like, taking on abstract projects and, like, making them real, right? You're like – you want to de-alienate people's labor such that they can, like, act in the world, like, individually and collectively and bring things into realization. Um, yeah, like, I recently went through, like, a like a – one of the hyperfixations I've had recently, if, if you guessed by the Avi, was uh, James Cameron. I was reading a bunch of stuff about James Cameron. And part of the reason that I think I was so fascinated by him is because he is kind of like a de-alienated person within the, the contemporary system. Because he, you know, the way he taught himself to make films was he basically just went to his college library and just read every like technical manual on how to like do everything on a film set. And then just like went about doing it, right? 
or like he got interested in like in like oceanography and so like he has an engineer brother and they work together like designing submarines and shit or i was reading this book like a little beach reading i was doing was about like the making of titanic and just reading about the way that like he goes about like solving problems and like taking on these challenges and then working out the ability to like manifest it and bring it into reality um to me it seems like everybody should be able to do that you know that should be something that like every the everybody should have available to them on you know obviously not maybe on the same scale as somebody like that but um you know like that is that and on some level you see that to a certain degree within like the professional class has that a little bit you know yeah Um, it's well it's, it's also like well, we'll also see this later, but like the insistence on, you know, equality and like elimin- eliminating like inequality in this program. Like for Marx, this is like a false like dichotomy rather because right. communism does, you know, affirm like a sort of like inequality, right? But, you know, this, this, this isn't like a, a problem for, for communism because it kind of like acknowledges that uh, human potentiality like varies, but you know, the, the, like not, not, not everyone like will, is, is able to do this stuff, but having like, you know, ha- having a society that, that, that helps, you know, cultivate this in a way that isn't, you know, just bear, like, you know, ha- having like barracks for like learning and it's just about like how to make how to make better wage workers. It's, it's important, right? Well, yeah, where there is like essentially there's like a baseline, like it's a a society where there's no losers, unless like somebody's really hell bent on being like, like insanely antisocial. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just it's a different notion of equality. It's not like an obsession with everyone getting the same amount. It's uh, the baseline is so far met and recognized in everyone, which is equality. You know, we can, he's an edgelord about it, so he's not going to say it is, but it is. Like, there's a form of baseline equality that's so thorough that it doesn't matter if people end up getting extra stuff. It's like, I don't know. If you have all the weed in the world, like, your friends might smoke different amounts. Because there's just so much weed. Like, you don't even have to really worry about it. Um, You just have enough for you. Like, Yeah, or ideally you would look at people who accumulate more things under communism the same way we look at like hoarders you know you ever see like those reality shows hoarders yeah but like they find somebody who's like houses like they're dying because like their house is filled with newspapers and empty cans right like, it's like those how people, do you live like this like wait yeah. you just keep collecting comic books even though they keep coming out <laughs> why not just go to the library they have all of them there like right <laughs> should we uh pivot to the letter are we doing the letter or are we jumping right to the Gotha program? Yeah, the critique fine. of the Gotha program. I guess we could do the letter the letter and then close out and then pick up the Gotha program on the next episode. <laughs> oh maybe we'll maybe we'll just tackle this one straight through unless you really want to like intercept something. Alright, so this is the letter by Karl Marx to Wilhelm Bracke. London, May eighteen seventy five. Dear Bracke, when you have read the following critical marginal notes on the Unity program, would you be so good as to send them on to Guybe and our Babel and Liebknecht for examination? Nota bene. The manuscript should be returned to you. So as to be at my disposal if need be. I am exceedingly busy, 
and have to overstep by far the limitations on work imposed on me by the doctors. Hence, it was anything but a pleasure to write such a lengthy screed. It was, however, necessary so that the steps to be taken by me later on would not be misinterpreted by our friends in the party for whom this communication is intended. So let's just start here. Um, it's the carbuncles, right? He's talking about the carbuncles. Not, I, not yet. Maybe, but not, not a, not just that. I don't think. Well, I think so, there's a lot of things. Yeah. Also, j- just like living in London, it's like one thing. Oh yeah, the the smug definitely fucking get like shaved off so many years off his life. It's insane. Yeah, living in London, staying up all night, you know, like working under like a lamp that can't be good for your eyesight. Smoking cigars constantly, drinking, not eating enough, not exercising, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. So what you're saying is he could have used an Apple Watch. Could have used an Apple Watch. Could have used some vitamins. Okay. You know, could have used like a like a cardio program at least. I'm thinking an aloe cream might have helped him out. Oh yeah, I mean you got to moisturize, especially like living in London. You know, like the winters there are pretty rough. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, another fun fact. So, uh, the Gotha program is like 630 uh, words. If I right, and the critique is like ten times the that amount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Keep keeping that Sterner so he, ratio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It is a fucking ratio, and yeah. Yeah. The, so, 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 yeah. As I said before, he w- he was delaying doing this critique because, of course, he was busy with you know edit- editing some uh, so, some French some French uh, proofs for Capital for the later chapters. Mm-hmm. And this actually kind of you know this kind of matters because he in certain like some some of the bits of the critique he does kind of refer to like uh doesn't exactly refer to um, exactly to like capital but if you've read like so this the section capital that are relevant you'll see that you know he has that in mind and maybe he hopes that like one of the people that is going to read that also knows what what he means because yeah So let's pick up from here. After the Unity Congress is finished, Engels and I will publish a short statement to the effect that we completely disassociate ourselves from said program's principles and have nothing to do with it. This is indispensable because the opinion, an entirely erroneous one, is held abroad and assiduously nurtured by enemies of the party that we secretly guide from here the movement of the so-called Eisenach party. In a Russian book, Statism and Anarchy, that has recently appeared, Bakunin still makes me responsible, for example, not, a, not only for all the programs, etc., of that party, but even for every step taken by Liebknecht from the day of his cooperation with the People's Party. Apart from this, it is my duty not to give recognition even by diplomatic silence, to what, according to my convictions, is a thoroughly objectionable program that is demoralizing for the party. Every step of real movement is more important than a dozen programs. If, therefore, it was not possible, and the circumstances of the time precluded this, to go beyond the Eisenach program, one should simply have concluded an agreement 
for actions for action against the common enemy. But by drawing up a program of principles instead of postponing this until it had been prepared by a considerable period of common activity, one sets up before the whole world guideposts by which to measure the party's level of success. The Lasallian leaders came because circumstances forced this upon them. If they had been told in advance that there would be no haggling about principles, they would have had to be content with a program of action or a plan of organization for a common action. Instead of this, one permits them to arrive armed with mandates, recognizes these mandates on one's part as binding, and thus surrenders unconditionally to those who are themselves in need of help. To crown the whole business, they are holding a Congress before the Congress of Compromise, while one's own party is holding its Congress post-festum. Obviously, their idea was to avoid all criticism and give their own party no opportunity for reflection. One knows that the mere fact of unification is satisfying to the workers, but it is a mistake to believe that this momentary success is not brought too dearly. Moreover, the program is no good, even apart from its canonization of the Lasallian Articles of Faith. I shall be sending you in the near future the last installments of the French edition of Capital. The printing was held up for a considerable time by a ban on the part of the French government. The thing will be ready this week, or the beginning of next week. Have you received the previous six installments? Please let me also have the address of Bernard Becker, to whom I must also send the final installments. The bookshop of the Volkstadt has peculiar ways of doing things. Up to this moment, for example, I have not been sent a single copy of the reprint of the Cologne Communist Trial. With best regards, yours, Karl Marx. Yeah, so this is the this is the letter that has the every step of real movement is more important than a dozen programs line, uh, which is which is a pretty famous, uh, pretty famous like little uh, what's the word quote I guess. Yeah, certainly during the communization days, that was you know a pretty pretty big one, and uh, it's interesting because Marx isn't even necessarily opposed to some kind of you know principles of of but of action. Right, like based on shit happening around them, like yeah, because that, that's yeah. that's how you learn, you know, that this is through action that you know the the actual unity can be uh, cultivated, cemented. Right. Well, he yeah, he basically says that he's actually pro unity, but not on the basis of like bad principles. Right. Yeah, he, or programmatic unity with like people where you just like concede a bunch of things instead of just right. being like, no, we're gonna keep our pro- program, but you know, if you can meet us on these issues and we can just like, you know, be like, okay, we're just gonna commit to doing this together. Yeah, we don't have to agree on how the world is. We're doing stuff together. This is something that drives me nuts about Marxist groups, is that in order to act together, you must think together. Is it any wonder it keeps evolving into cults? Like yeah, which for 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 Marx, yeah, there's uh, what one of the things he didn't like about you know 
the Lasallians, but also like um, a lot of you know utopian socialists or but the Bakuninists is where they're they're like sectarian like proclivities where like there's like articles of faith and then you know you just gotta just gotta bang your head on a few principles and never really end up doing much together. He, like he is right like essentially creating a, like a, a base set of objectives and then working together and then having those debates in the process would be the way to go uh, although you know it can be very difficult to foster you know like a culture of healthy debate within an organization you know it can be very tricky but, it, but it's important yeah and marx here is uh echoing something that uh engels told bebel uh two years prior where he's like uh well to quote him directly in, in any case, I think the efficient elements among the Lasallians will fall to you of themselves in course of time, and they would therefore be unwise to break off the fruit before it, it, it is ripe, as the unity people want. Uh. For for the rest, the old Hegel has already said, a party proves itself a victorious party by the fact that, it's, it, that it splits and can stand the split. <sighs> so this is the first doomed left unity effort, or at least one of the early ones. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so... No, no wonder that you know <laughs> Lee has to like you know after having like you know his whole thing where he's like he slips in like you know he slips in like Stalin and his whole like you know list of of like people you know Marxist Marxist humanists like Hudis you know wants to disparage you know he just yeah. he sees they want they want to get rid of marx and Engels and lenin and babel and Leibnacht and kautsky and the program and stalin and luxembourg so well they, they kind of like luxembourg well i mean the thing is i wouldn't characterize this as a doomed left unity project because what did them in was their success you know like that like that's the kind of it was it was their success they did, that killed they, them they, well, right, but they led. Okay, this is the most successful left unity project. They did lead a revolution. It's true. However, um, I think the problem is that these these poles are are too far apart, and when you put them together, you don't get something greater than the sum of its parts. You get Lasallians and a bunch of corpses that used to disagree. Well, the other thing is, is like uh, the um, the anti socialist laws kind of force the unity and the in in like you know the party because of like shared struggle and just the fact that like police was hounding them and they like many of them had to like go into you know emigration or they were in jail together right right they didn't to accept the iron law of of wages to find unity in those circumstances yeah so that wasn't exactly what mattered and also you know the there's also a split between you know the sort of like the intellectuals and you know the sort of uh, cultivated uh, elite workers in the in the movement who would have known a bit more of like theory and just you know the common worker where for them like it was basically Lasalle like they, 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 <laughs> there's like there's like they were like selling like mem- memorabilia of Lasalle you would get like you could I think you could even like get chocolate with his face on it I think. Okay. <laughs> I, I th- oh yeah wow. it was like yeah there <laughs> was it jewish chocolate like i don't know probably not no, no. Like, well okay. look considering some of the things uh some of the things lasalle said about jews uh yeah 
Oh, right, yeah. I forget they were all saying shit about Jews. I was just thinking of what Mark said. Yeah, I, I, the the sort of Dillasolians, you know, back before Unity, like, you know, they would call the Eisenachers like Jewish lackeys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Another, yeah. Bang, another banger quote by Asal is like him, like, actually, like, saying that, like, he, he, the two things he hates most are like, oh, God, what's the actual quote? Let, let me find this one. Please, because it's it it's quite the banger, you might say. <laughs> no, you get a lot of RTs, you know, like uh, on um, on Pat Sock Twitter. They'd be very happy about it. I only found this in like a sort of a, a Polish text talking about Lasalle. So I, I I'm again stuck by like the language barrier where I want to mm. fucking source this, but also it does kind of I I've seen enough like of similar things to like kind of be like yeah this is probably something he actually says he at one time he actually said i hate two things jews and men's of letters unfortunately i am both (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, good yeah oh terrifying want to know another fun thing so the the first um actual like national socialist party that on german soil and in its like program mm-hmm. it's like published in like the first december 1918 uh he gets a mention uh w- want to know what it is <laughs> so, is it because he so, he opposed yes. a, a jewish uh socialist party yeah well, well look so in in the middle of the program here's what it says of this you know this anti-semitic you know national socialist party this so German folkish and socialist. Lasalle, the founder of German social democracy, must, as a Jew, have known his racial kin, Rassengrossengnossen, well when he said, a popular movement has to keep its distance from capitalists and Jews where they appear as guides and leaders and must pursue its own aims. The new socialist party accepts German-born men only. It stands naturally upon the ground of political transformation. Democracy will not at first be tampered with, but the party does, however, not want a Western-style democracy with a Jewish plutocratic apex, but instead a free people state, a Volkstadt, in which both capitalism and Jewry has been vanquished. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is apparently the first uh, National Socialist Party in uh, Germany. <laughs> It's good to know they're carrying the torch. Oh, and he he, does, he also he also pops up in like uh, actual like Nazi right like National Socialists like pre like Hitler in power like you know theory cell writings along with like luminaries as like Paul Lynch and like and Spangler also does like mm-hmm. you know name checks Lasalle and Lynch. Lynch is like a big th- that guy. People don't know, but. Sleeping on him, he's uh, he's basically thinking men's Mussolini. He has uh, he's also look, he has some a couple of bangers, I have to say. Lynch, <laughs> god, did you know that Lynch also like coined uh, the imperialism as the last stage of capitalism? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, he yeah, he might have also coined organized capitalism. Wow, that yeah. Is- it's the highest stage, so yeah. the highest stage of capitalism. What's the THC account on that stage of capitalism? So I think we're at the yeah. critique. We, we finally made it. I know we've all been holding our tongues. 
about mm-hmm. this labor is a source of all wealth. Oh God. So um should I be reading the quotes of the Gotha program that he's responding to as well? Just well, uh maybe we should just editorialize a little more about like what was sacrificed here. Because the reason why we're drawing out, I think, all this weird anti-Semitic stuff from LaSalle, who's, yeah, he's Jewish, so we're not just getting, like, identity politics, like, gotcha points. Another fun thing is at the start of his life, he really, really identifies, you know, with his Jewish heritage. And then he fucking flips when he becomes, you know, a Hegelian mm. and starts having, like, well, there's an in the, there's a interesting ways in which, like, you know, LaSalle and Bauer uh, have like there's a certain continuity with some of the critiques that like Marx levels on against huh. uh, Bruno Bauer and LaSalle yeah because so, both, both so of them are kind of bright Hegelians wait 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 so he's a proud Jew he reads Hegel and he's like never mind I I, I I don't remember exactly what makes him like <laughs> fall out of this like his love of like uh, oh god so like the, I don't remember what exactly makes him fall fall out of like love with like his origins, but oh god, I think it might have been because like he has a bit where like he 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 like hates the fact that like Jews don't fight back against pogroms or something. Like it's pretty fucking nasty stuff. Like it's uh, yeah, ooh yeah, it's a uh, it's dark. Damn, damn, no, that's it's kind of fucked up. Like what I I. You just kind of, I don't know, because I've been, um, when you know, Jake and I read that book, um, Not One Man, Not One Penny, it's like a history of German social democracy. I was totally going through the Congresses and being like, no, that's it. It's the Eisenach Congress. That's when, that's when it sails. You know, I'm still asking the question, when is the revolution doomed? You know, like, then it, and, you know, for t- taking that framework, I, I found that the Eisenach Congress, where they actually, like, merge the groups initially and make the Este phase, is actually... That's actually the kiss of death that leads eventually to the to the situation. Um, See, I took the opposite conclusion. <laughs> from yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, because I, I, to me, the, the takeaway from that book was that like the shifting, like the shifting incentive structures are what what wrecked them. Because oddly enough, like the anti-socialist laws essentially weeded out, basically weeded out, like you know, the people who weren't actually committed. And then once they became public, you know, the combination of having to manage like an increasingly like scaled up and complex organization through a bureaucracy, plus, you know, the benefits that come from, uh, you know, sort of being like a large, like powerful organization that is now like legitimate, created like incentives to this kind of, you know, organizational conservatism that screwed them when they had to, essentially be heroic and act the moment that they needed to make revolution and, you know, sort of essentially like stand against the Versailles treaty, you know? Yeah. Well, there's also like, once like the anti-socialist laws, like, uh, you know, they didn't renew them, you know, Wilhelm, what's his name? I think what was Wilhelm, like was called like the worker emperor. And like, they, they kind of like, instead mm-hmm. of like, they kind of like, they shifted tactics. Right. So instead of the anti-socialist laws, they're kind of, you know, leaving the door open to cooperation. And instantly, you know, there is a section, you know, of the, the party, uh, specifically mm-hmm. by Volmar, it preceded Bernstein. Bernstein uh, only comes a little bit later. 
and he comes from a di- from a different like he's a different kind of revisionist. The right. Vol- Volmar, you know, who, by the way, wrote the, the the first book talking specifically about socialism in one country that Stalin would end mm. up re- reading after after codifying his own socialism in one country, and then you know, seeing that that like some some. The, the the Lenin text that like uh, Stalin like would like to like um, you know to pull up to win arguments, Lenin actually did copy uh, some of uh, some of Volmar without saying he did, and when Stalin like kind of like deduced that or maybe he didn't know exactly that was the case, but he read mm. that and saw that uh, he was he apparently was quite satisfied. <laughs> But that was after the fact, so he wasn't exactly inspired by uh, by that text. Well, and the, the thing, but the thing is, like he 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 walked his way into socialism in one country because, you know, that was essentially the most expedient thing to do at that moment. Like, what what other options did they have there? You know, and not to say that like not to say like the, like the Lasallianism and all these things like weren't a problem, but I don't think you can read like the trajectory of the socialist movement solely based on like yeah. which sectarian turns it took, well, it's, you know? Well, yeah, but, but that's the interesting thing about Volmar is that he's neither um, strictly a Marxist nor a Lasallian. And he was apparently quite acquainted with uh, Fichte's uh, philosophy and uh, of the close commercial state. And a lot of that does pop up in the sort of, uh, you know, you, you keep, the, the heritage of like German social democracy, you can't like talk about it strictly as like good, like bad Lasallian, good mm-hmm. Marxist, because no, that, from, not, the, from the start, it was like in this, like you, you can't like uh, pull them, uh, pull those strands easily apart because, you know, like, for example, like socialism in like one country, uh, all of them, you know, everybody except like Trotsky, like, so let Lenin, Zinoviev, Bukharin, Stalin, like all of them believed in constructing socialism in one country in a certain way. They all had like the specific like tweaks to that. But Stalin was the one who like, you know, went in for, for, for like uh, where he, I think he almost just declared like, you know, since the state owns like the, you know, the means of production that makes it like the, so the, the industrial like sector socialist or right. something. Mm-hmm. So he, and all of them, you know, they were trying to adhere to like Lenin's vision or what he set out. And Lenin was kind of a Kautskyist on, on his, uh, in, uh, in the theoretical sense. So, and Kautsky, you know, all you can say about him, he was not like a strictly like he was not like a Lasall- from the Lasallian wing of the of the party from the rightists mm-hmm. like they're, they're, because there's like a big difference because because mm-hmm. the the rightists at SPD like they did not shy away from like praising Lasall like Carl Ren- like the Renner Lynch th- those types of people they proclaimed you know that uh, Lasall was their guy among other things. But I, th- I think you have to appreciate that, like, there's a structure of thought in Marxist thinking that's like, man, we started up, we, we started out with just a kiss. How did it end up like this? Like, you start in one place with be- better intentions, you end up in another place, and it feels completely different. Um, I'm putting it in very broad terms because you could state this for almost any tendency. 
we could be talking about uh you know anti-revisionism where it's all khrushchev's fault everything before that was awesome it'd be a trot and everything before stalin was awesome um you know the ur leninist thing is that man kautsky was so cool what happened but, but like the further you go you realize that this is essentially adulterated if if you're going to like take these terms and look at the emancipatory hopes of marxism and the you know if not just outright fascist you know pioneering the forms for fascism like that marxism becomes famous for you know you have to ask yourself how did it get there why is bakunin so right about this like well because like, because what, what he was like kind of like you know besides like of course like yeah well, but, like the rest yeah of i mean bakunin thought like Liebknecht was a jew like he was like <laughs> or like he he, he somehow he he's also, kind of like, cartoonishly anti-semitic oh yeah like he he missed out on like meeting kropotkin because he thought like you know their their connect was a jew like it's fucking like oh my god like dude come on it's frothing at the mouth yeah. yeah and which may which makes you know just you know playing devil's advocate you're... Playing devil's advocate and being like, okay, so okay, so Bakunin is like kind of like you know he's kind of confused, but what he kind of feels out, you know, what he's what he criticizes when you read into it closely is sort of the what he takes to be you know quote unquote Marxism, but it has more to do with you know the sort of like the Solian wing of that movement. In a way. You know, but I, I don't know. I used to be like, haha, but look, I checked your, uh, you know, I, I checked all of your, you know, grammar and your formulations. Marx doesn't say this and that, and I would feel so smart, but like ultimately his underlying point works, works better yeah. than the framework of we had pure Marxism, then the Lasallians just fucked it up. You know, Bakunin understands some kind of structural collapse from one pole to the other that was bound to happen before it really happens and like we need to get a grasp of yeah. what that is before any honest marxism could ever happen ever because <laughs> otherwise mm. it's just gonna we're just running cover for i mean you know at this point i think it's just fair to call a lot of the people who would take advantage of this these you know fascists or just outright reactionaries like i don't really need feel the need to qualify it too much um like we would be you know very intelligent useful idiots for them like we would be you mm -hmm. know crossing the i's dotting the t's and being like well that's not the letter of what they said while they're killing us in the qts or whatever yeah, and like, this, this also ties into like the whole you know you know from from like the gotha program to like Erfurt was supposed to be like you know on firm marxist mm. base basis it was like co-wrote co-written by Kautsky and Bernstein and then like you know right. the economic section was by Bernstein the other section was like by Kautsky and then Bernstein you know so you know it's ortho yeah like Bernstein like you know comes out in the open you know what is sort of like criticism while like he has by the way one of the people that's like mentioned you know in Marx's letter to like send him the critique the Gotha program hour you know tells Bernstein specifically to just you know to, like to to like not like raise such a fuss and you know basically his message is like you know rev rev revisionism is something you just do you get on with it you don't like talk about it in the open 
Oh, so man. Totally, yeah, I love totally that. I, no, I love that quote. It's like, we, you, you don't fucking need revisionism. Yeah, just, yeah. Just well, do so, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, wait, I, I can read to you. I can go get okay, that yeah. That's specific quote. It's worth, it's worth uh, yeah. What do you call for, my dear, my dear Ede Bernstein, is something which one neither admits openly nor puts for a formal vote. One simply gets on with it. Agnes Auer, participant of the Unity Congress of 1875 at the GAFA and later party secretary of the SPDA. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah. yeah, and this this kind of um, makes sense once you understand that, like, Bernstein is, you know, he's kind of, hmm, could we say he's like kind of like a Forrest Gump of, like, Marxist revisionism? In a way? <laughs> I know, like, he, like ugh, I, could, I... Could you just uh, maybe elaborate a little bit? I, I I actually don't, but like no, he, he no, no, like he just like he's. I will not be taking questions at this time. He, look, he he just comes out, you know, and just of course he you know he trips on it, he trips on his own dick, and just kind of like you know like embar- embarrassing, you know, like uh, understanding of uh, so, some basic Marx stuff, but also he takes the time to just say the things out in the open that like you know. The, the underground revisionists like Volmar are already kind of thinking about. And meanwhile, like Kautsky and Bernstein are having this fight, right? And they win like, you know, victories at Congresses, but uh, are, are they victories? Like there's, um, yeah, the, there's, there's some things in a Kautsky biography where like one of the revisionists just kind of brags that like, whatever, this, this doesn't actually like matter that you're winning in these congresses. There's way more revisionists than you think. There's more of us than you, and uh, and in a way, the, the like the smart revisionists, like you know, they, they 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 aren't like big theory heads, right? They don't like stir a fuss. They just you I'm know, just they a get, humble they get, student. Yeah, they get on teacher. No, well, yeah, they're kind of a student, but like. They just, you know, they do get on with it. It doesn't like the theory doesn't isn't actually what matters to them, or like you know the. Well, they they in a way they kind of like grasp what the SPD is going to become before, the the left or the center. Which uh, has interesting implications, that like how are the rightists always a step away a step step ahead of us in this regard, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> they like they can kind of intuitively see that like you know it's like they, they see like you know the the the, the centrist Marxists and like the left wing Marxists like arguing with each other and then like teaming up against them and they're like ah this doesn't actually matter because I I I know the workers are going to be on my side and they don't care about this stuff they care about you know practical improvements and you know. Yeah, they're more creatures. They're more practical creatures of incentive structures. They don't need a theoretical elaboration beyond that. Or when they do, like you know, when they do elaborate, it's like very, uh, you know, in the moment where, like, for 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 them, like they kind of they kind of understand that they're they're not exactly in a revolutionary party because it's not acting like it. Because of of course, like what they're doing, you know, is that shame for social reforms, especially after the end of anti-socialist laws, where like, oh, we have room to breathe. We aren't being persecuted. We aren't like, well, we're still persecuted, but like, you know, 
you can see the improvement and then it just in a way it kind of baits you into like the complacency that like oh we're winning over society we're we're we're, be, we're because society is becoming more like us but is that really what was happening or was it because like you know there was like sort of dialectical inter interaction where the, the workers movement and the german state were taking on characteristics of each other and that kind of culminates in you know the 1914 and the, the further developments afterwards that's it for this time thanks again to constance for joining us and we hope you join us next time as we pick up the critique of the gothic program proper uh, this is going to be a long one but i think there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot to talk about this particular document right now the new edition published and uh i'm looking forward to it so until next time, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow. <laughs>